Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Why don't you turn to Mark 2? Now, Christmas, you know, of course, there's always the classic Christmas teachings and where people go to Luke and we talk about the nativity and so on. But that's, that's not what I wanted to do uh, at all in approaching. But I was just thinking about, I was thinking about, you cannot have this time of the year without thinking about gifts and what have you, because people always, that's one of the first things that comes to the mind. But as I was reading this week, what have you, and I'm just, you know, going through my thing that I've been doing all these years now. And I got to Mark, it, says, it didn't sound like it had anything to do with giving, but God really stopped me and he said, you really need, all of my people really need to recognize the gifts that I've given through Jesus Christ. As simple as that sounds, it's something so unique. And for some reason, this is where he had me start. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 2, verse 1 in the Amplified Bible. And again, you follow along on here. So that we can get to the part I want to get to. But again, this is, like I said, this is just where he started to talk to me about this. And I've got some other things. And Jesus, having returned to Capernaum, after, actually, when I was in Israel, I found out that the way they pronounce that is Capernaum. I didn't know that, but Capernaum. And Jesus, having returned to Capernaum, Capernaum, after some days it was rumored about that he was in the house, probably Peter's. And so many people gathered together there that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door. And guess what he was doing? He was discussing the word. Then they came bringing a paralytic to him who had been picked up and was being carried by four men. And when they could not get him to a place in front of Jesus because of the throng, they dug through the roof above him. And when they'd scooped out an opening, they let down the thickly padded quilt or mat upon which the paralyzed man lay. This is a classic teaching on faith. And when Jesus saw their faith, faith was something that was visible. He saw their determination. I love it in one translation. It says they sought means to get to Jesus. They didn't stop at the first obstacle. They actually dug to the roof because they were determined. And, of course, that's the whole teaching. And we need to have some old-fashioned determination in us and just quit stopping every time an obstacle presents itself. So when Jesus, but this is interesting, isn't it? When Jesus saw their faith, their confidence in God through him, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, he's looking at a paralyzed man. They brought him because they wanted physical healing. And the first thing our Lord and Savior says is, man, your sons, son, your sins are forgiven you and put away. That is, the penalty is remitted. The sense of guilt removed. And you're made upright and in right standing with God. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there holding a dialogue with themselves as they questioned in their hearts, why does this man talk like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins, remove guilt, remit the penalty, and bestow righteousness instead except God alone? And at once, Jesus becoming fully aware in his spirit 
that they thus debated within themselves, he said to them, why do you argue and debate and reason about all this in your hearts? And this next three words in verse 9, which is easier to me, is some of the most profound truth. There's so much in this. And Jesus says, which is easier? Which is easier? This is Jesus speaking. Which is easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven and put away, or to say, rise, take up your pad and walk. But that you may know positively and beyond a doubt that the Son of Man has right and authority and power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, arise, pick up your bed, your sleeping pad, and be going home. And he arose at once, picked up the sleeping pad or the mat, went out before them so that they were all amazed and they recognized and praised and thanked God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Hallelujah. whole lot of stuff there. And like I said, the Lord stopped me here and he started to talk to me about the gifts he's given. And I thought, well... And where he took me, he reminded me again. He said, this is one of the gifts I've given you right here. It's illustrated when my son did this. He said, you notice, he said, that you might know that the son of man, not the son of God, that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said, that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said, I said unto him, I say unto you, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now there's multitudes of different things to look at here. One of them is wherever there's forgiveness, there's healing. Wherever there's healing, there's forgiveness because it's the same sacrifice and it's the same strength and it's the same power that heals, that forgives. In forgiveness, there's healing. Just that simple. Where there's not forgiveness, there's lack of healing. There's always a weakness imbibed into a person's spirit. But the thing that hit me here where he started me off this thing about gifts, he said, I want you to tell the people, take time to recognize some of the gifts that they're not using that I've given them. And one of them was this thing about when he flat said, you are a son of man. Did not my word say, did not my word say, did not my son say that the works that I do, you shall do also? Did he say that or not? Yes, Yes, he said, in greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. And I say this every time I quote that verse, but the word greater doesn't mean bigger than. It speaks to just more than because again, whereas there was one man Anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now there are multiple, multiple hundreds of thousands of us that are filled with the same spirit that did the works that Jesus had in him doing the works. And then he said again, he said, did I not say in John 7, did Jesus not say, even as I was sent into the world, so do I send you? Now, is that correct or not? He sent us just like he sent Jesus. He said the works that Jesus did, we will do. We will do. Not we just might, but he said we will. We're supposed to do. He said heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely give. And what they'd freely received was the authority. 
to do that because he commissioned us, all of his disciples, and we this day are his disciples if we're born from above. Now, you've heard me share many times that the Bible always speaks of the, there's the difference between the Son of God when he's referred to as the Son of God in the four Gospels and the Son of Man. If you remember, this, every time it says Son of God, it speaks to his divinity. But every time it speaks to the Son of Man, it speaks to his humanity. Now, that's incredibly important because not one miracle-working thing ever was done by the Son of God. Every miracle was worked by the Son of Man. And, of course, that's crucially important to you and I because, again, if he did them through his divinity, well, that's incredible, and I would applaud what he did, but it wouldn't help me because I'm not divinity. But if he did it through his humanity as a man stripped of all Godhead powers, which is what it says, then that means he did it to prove that we could do it. Right? Now, whether you have experienced it yet or not, remember, is not the issue. This is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've got to keep hearing this because faith, you won't have the capacity to faith if you don't keep reading it and seeing it. This is the truth. But what struck me is that one of the gifts, and a lot you don't hear this taught a lot. Yes, we're to give. We have the power to heal others, not because of me having power, but because of his power residing in me and in you, right? And we're to be bold to lay hands on the sick. But again, we all know that... It is so many people, they have this struggle up here in their head, of course, because they still think it has something. They don't really even know they do it, but kind of subliminally, they think it has something to do with me. And so I don't know what if it doesn't happen when, you know, and I, was, I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but if you know who Todd White is, the guy with the long dreadnoughts and what have you, the white guy that has all these incredible miracles and his sharing once he said, he said, I prayed for over 2,000 people before I ever saw one person healed. And all of them have similar testimonies. This stuff doesn't just happen instantly because there's something that evidently in all of our humanity we have to work through. We have to get there. It's called faith. Faith is something that grows. I said faith is something that grows, but faith only grows when you work it. When you act upon it, when you energize it, when you activate it, when you work upon it, when you release, you learn to release faith and, and start trusting. Because ultimately, it comes, because again, it just, Julie and I made mention of it this morning in the car when we come to church about, and I've said this many times too, but you know, whether you know it or not, throughout your entire life before Christ, you've been highly trained and educated to lean to your own understanding. I mean, it's about this, and every experience you've ever had, every trauma you've ever had, every failure, every success, whatever, you judge and weigh things through that. And you've been taught in educational systems, let's say this over and over again, but they teach you to reason things out, because that's what the world does. But again, we come to God, and he says, lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge me in all of your ways. And it's this, it takes a while, because, you know, I'm used to working things out here. We all are. Figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. But that's not the way it is in Christ. He said this is the work that you believe. And so getting to the place where we simply believe and not instantly 
step into reason where we start, I don't know, well, okay, well, what if this, what if that, what if this happens, what if this doesn't happen, what, 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 all I know is it's not my responsibility to heal somebody. It's you're the one with the power to actually bring a physical healing. But my responsibility is to have faith and believe because you said in my name you'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So my job is to simply believe that every time I lay hands on a sick person in the name of Jesus... Recovery is beginning. It started. Something is changing right now. Right now. Not, not, because of I, not because I see something, not because I feel something, not because they feel something. See, you have to get to that place where you actually, you're just totally, as it were, divorced from anything and everything around you, even the person sometimes you're praying for. And as you grow in Christ, of course, you begin to recognize the fruit of the Spirit that, like Jesus carried, the compassion. He was moved, it says, often with compassion, with bowels of compassion. He was moved with compassion and healed their sick. But here, back to this, like he said, he said, you don't actually realize, he said, that's a gift. He said, I want you to celebrate the gifts I've given you. And then, but the thing that really hit me is he said, but one that nobody ever really talks about he said, Jesus said categorically, the Son of Man, that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Well, I'm a Son of Man. I am to do the works He did. Can you try to, and listen, when He said He wasn't forgiving that paralyzed man of some sin that that paralyzed man had done to Him. Jesus just knew that often where there's sickness and disease, there's pain in their spirit, there's trauma in the spirit, there's unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, just all manner of issues. And Jesus kind of knew. He said, one of the first things I'm going to do is this. You're forgiven. I forgive you. You're forgiven of all your sin. It's not that I and forgiving you for something you've done to me. No, I'm simply imparting forgiveness to you from all, remember what I said, from all the guilt and the consequences of sin. I'm giving you forgiveness. I am, as a man, stripped of Godhead powers, I'm going to give you forgiveness that you might be healed. You can forgive people. I mean, if you can try to catch, this is the gift. We get to help others. We get to impart forgiveness to people who may not even know they need it. Wait a second. You get, see, you're, you're not, I understand. It's, it's, you're still not hearing it. It's like people who are sick. You know, we get to impart healing in that he said we could in his name. Lay hands on the sick. Well, again, he's saying right here, we can forgive people their sins. We can bring that spiritual release. And either it's the truth or it isn't. 
But he said we would do what he did, and he said that you might know that the Son of Man, and again, like I said, we're sons and daughters of God. We were sent like he was sent. He would not send us to do what he did if he did not give us the tools to work with that he had to work with, right? You've got to just, you know, do use your brain a little bit. But I'm saying to me, that's an incredible gift. I don't have to talk to you for 14 hours and ask you about all the sins of your life and how many places you fall short. But I can forgive your sins. I can tell you your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And that's what we're all supposed to say because that's what Jesus has already done. I can look at every one of you in the face right here and say, because of what I know about my Jesus and what I know about what he's done, your sins are forgiven. I don't care what you did. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. But see, an unsaved person needs to know their sins are forgiven. I said their sins. And this is why it's it's a wonderful way, when you think about it, to somebody that you know that's not even in church, but said, just, you know, do you know that your sins are forgiven? Your sins are forgiven. I'm telling you right now, your sins are forgiven. Now, do you understand that just, can you see that evidently when Jesus said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, that something, a transaction in the realm of the spirit took place. Something went, it wasn't his responding. It wasn't even his faith. It was the faith of his friends bringing him there. But this guy who was actually paralyzed when Jesus Christ said, your sins are forgiven. Something shifted in the realm of the spirit. Something engaged in the positive part of the spirit. And paralysis left his body by virtue of first his sins being forgiven. I know you get to thank this a little bit because it's, it's kind of deep and narrow because it's not something we approach all the time. But I just, I'm praying somehow, some way that you can catch this because it's really digging into my spirit about how, you know, the authority that we have as sons and daughters of God, some of it we quote unquote know about it, but we don't really know about it if we don't do it. That's the truth. But think about that. That's a gift from God. You, you can tell people. I have a gift for you that came through my Lord Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. All you need to do is receive it. Believe it, then receive it. You're forgiven already. You don't have to worry about all of your mistakes any longer. You're forgiven in Jesus Christ. That's why receive him. Recognize him as the son of God and the son of man and as your savior. Your sins are forgiven. He's already paid the price. Hallelujah. What a wonderful gift to give at Christmas. Now, now I'll move from there because there's all manner of other things. One of the great gifts and one of the things, though, I've, well, actually, I wanted to share this first. You don't have to turn there, but Romans twelve six and the first of the years when I'm going to start to share with you about I mentioned it, I think, two weeks ago or something. We're going to teach on the, yeah, the, the body gifts, the motivational gifts, about how every single one of you need to be spiritually employed. Because it says here, having gifts 
that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. And it's amazing when you read that and study it out because basically it says categorically that every single one of you have gifts. But you know when I looked up the word gift, and it is charismata, that word, but in particular in this verse it literally says, this is what the word means. Every one of you have received, quote, miraculous faculties. Sounds as simple, but see, think about it. There's not one of you that doesn't have a miraculous faculty within your life. You have something miraculous. Every single one of you. God has never allowed a human being to be born that doesn't have a miraculous faculty within him. In other words, something in him that's miraculous to impart to others. Hallelujah. To bless others with. And to me, that's good. It's a gift he's given you. That's part of the gift he's given you. Now, again, um, I'm trying to figure out where to go now. Turn to Ephesians 1 just real quick. We all know this verse, but in Ephesians chapter 1, hallelujah, one of the major things that is so powerful in our Christianity is, of course, like I said, what did Jesus give us? We're talking about giving gifts to others at Christmas all the time. But like I said, somehow we need to really recognize why. And and people say it every year, and it's right to say it every year. The reason for the season is Jesus. It is. This is all about Jesus and God's great gift to mankind. He sent Jesus. And he sent him in our place to pay the price for our sin, to say the least. And to redeem us. And that's simply the verse I want us to read in verse 7, where it says, actually, I'm going to start reading verse 5, Ephesians 1, verse 5. For he foreordained us, he destined you, he planned in love for you to be adopted and revealed as his own child through Jesus Christ. In accordance with the purpose of his will, because it pleased him and was his kind intent. He did it because he wanted to. Verse 6, so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace. This gift of grace has come to us, his favor and mercy, which he has so freely, doesn't cost you anything. He did it for free, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved and then Paul makes this statement, just this primary statement he makes in Colossians all through the epistles. In him, guys, we have a gift called redemption. Everybody say redemption. Yeah. Now we know basically the word redeem means to buy back. And actually, the Greek word, there's, it, it speaks to what's called, well, it's called full ransom. Total ransom. In Jesus Christ, we have a 100-fold ransom back. He paid the price for us to be set free. Uh, Again, I know we say that often, and sometimes we say it so often that it just kind of doesn't really hit us. But he paid, a price had to be paid, remember. A price had to be paid because of man's fall. But he paid that price, and in him we have redemption, deliverance, salvation, through his blood, the remission, the forgiveness of our offenses, 
in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. Next verse, which he, again, lavished. I love the word. Cracks me up, lavish. Which he lavished upon us. In other words, he didn't just drop a little bit of grace on you. We used to say it wasn't a, a brill cream. If anybody's old enough to remember brill cream, stuff put on the guys used to put on their hair. It wasn't a brill cream. The advertisement for brill cream used to say this, a little dab will do you. Well, Christian Jesus, it wasn't, it wasn't a brill cream crime thing. He didn't put a dab. He lavished upon us. All of this grace, it says, which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding, practical insight, prudence. I mean, all of that is some of the gifts. He lavished this stuff upon us. We need to recognize what he's given us. Just another way of saying something else we know, but we need to really show me, you know, make it your perfect. Jesus, show me more of the gifts. You see, the thing about all gifts is that they have to be unwrapped. It's just that simple. And I always, I don't know what other better illustration to use there is. Have you ever unwrapped a gift and you, if, it, you know, if it's like in a box, let's say it's a computer or something, whatever, you know, like, like you know, Manuel's going to buy me a brand new 27-inch Mac, iMac. I appreciate it. Manuel's really, he's good to me. And thank you, Manuel. I, I love you guys a lot. But, you know, let's say I open the package up and I see the box says 27-inch iMac. Okay? Now, because I unwrapped it, I see what it is, but that, hasn't, that, that doesn't mean at all that I understand how it works. The gifts of God, you know, are spiritual gifts. I mean, when it says in 1 Corinthians 12, when it says, you know, now concerning the, the gifts of the Spirit, it says, actually the word isn't gifts even in there. In the Greek it says, now concerning spirituals. That's what it says, now concerning spirituals, I would not have you ignorant. And it speaks about all these things that God gifted us through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He gifted us through the Holy Spirit. Everything that we have has been a gift to the Holy Spirit. But again, here, then the major issue is that we've been redeemed. Now, I'm not going to go through that, but see, put Galatians 3.13. Let's read it anyhow. So in Christianity, it's one of the classic verses that hopefully all know by heart, but many don't. I, you can't take it for granted. Christ, in Galatians 3.13, Paul categorically again says, Christ purchased our freedom. He redeemed us from the curse and the doom of the law and its condemnation by himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree is crucified. Amen. And King James says, you know, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Right? This is the great, incredible gift uh, that we need to read. But you need to go back and read Deuteronomy 28. We've done that in the past here. But you need to go back and read it. Read all the curses there. Because every single curse that you can read You've been redeemed from through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his gift, through God's great gift to Jesus. That does not have to be part of your life. But you have to know that. 
And we're going to get to Philemon verse 6 in just a moment. Well, let me quote it. Philemon verse, verse 6 says that the, that the communication of your faith, and we'll talk about some of the Greek words, that the communication of your faith might be made effectual through the acknowledging of every good thing in you through Jesus Christ. For your faith to become powerful, you have to acknowledge the good things that he's gifted you with in Jesus. In other words, you don't just take, it doesn't just come upon you. You have to start acknowledging it by believing it, receiving it, and speaking it. I have this. I'm actually anointed to do this because of his gift to me of it. It's not that I'm special, but there is a part that we play, and that's where the communication or the issue comes and what it means. Well, the acknowledgement, rather, but like I said, I'll get to that in just a second here. But in Deuteronomy 20, just a few things that Christ redeemed you from. Remember, verse 20, Deuteronomy 20, you don't have to turn there, Deuteronomy 20 at 20, he's redeemed us from confusion. In other words, when you read that, you have to realize, I don't have to be confused. In fact, I refuse confusion. I said, I refuse confusion. It's been like a mantra on me for the last few months. You've heard me say it over and over again. I made the decision. I'm not going to be anxious about anything. I refuse anxiety. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Christmas time is when tons of people get anxious about this, anxious about that, because they feel the pressure. It's the world's pressure, though. It's not God's pressure. It's this world's pressure that I have to come up to some standard by giving everybody something this or giving this or doing that and well, what if it's not enough and what about and you got to be delivered from that you just do yes it's a wonderful thing like I said I'm grateful for my new Mac that Emmanuel's given me I'm, I'm grateful for the new car that Jeff's buying me and I'm grateful for what my wife's my wife's given me she's given me this brand new 65 inch super HD TV i I'm grateful for it. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? But the point, but you hear me. I've been redeemed. I had to see it as the gift, not as something I can earn. Because remember, nothing in Christ is something you earn. By works shall no man be justified. You don't earn peace of mind. Peace of mind is another huge well, again, confusion, the opposite of confusion would be peace. And that's one of the greatest gifts God's ever given us. May the God of peace, you know, control your life. But this is why every morning in my prayer time, I also, I know I'm repeating myself yet again. But one of the things I pray every single morning when I go through, I go through a list of things Jesus has redeemed me for. And I thank you for Jesus that you've redeemed me from sickness and disease and pain. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You bought, you paid the ransom for my poverty. You've redeemed me from poverty. You've redeemed me from lack. It doesn't mean I'm not, maybe don't have debt right now, but bless God, I'm speaking to that debt in Jesus' name, and it's going to be distinguished and totally destroyed because that's the way God said to do it. He said, speak to the stuff, tell it to get out. So I'm speaking to stuff and telling it to get out. And he, because he's the one that said to do it, I kind of feel okay about doing it. I like having God's word in my mouth. It's sure better than the stuff I used to have in my mouth. You know what I mean? Oh, thank you, Jason. I haven't heard one of those in a while. <laughs> no, but you know, he's, he's 
And so, but when I go through that list, one of the things I always go through is, thank you, Father, you have redeemed me from confusion because you've not given me a spirit that has anything to do with fear. But the spirit that you have given me is a spirit of power. I've got a spirit of power. I've got a spirit of love in me. I've got the life. The spirit is the life of a thing, right? Faith without works is dead, so the body without the spirit is dead. The spirit is the life of something. I've got the life of love in me. I've got that which makes love alive in me. I've got that which has what, which makes power alive in me. And I've got the spirit of a sound mind. It's a gift from God. I have a sound mind. But I have to acknowledge it for it to become effectual. Just another way of talking about some aspects of, of, of uh, confession. But it's, just, but it's God's way. It's the way you do it. But so I go through this whole thing. But anyhow, you've been redeemed. Christ, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed you. Confusion is part of the curse that comes upon people for disobedience. Well, again, like I said, so verse 20 is just one of them. There's several others. I've been redeemed from all of my enemies. I don't care how many enemies I had. Christ said, they're going to go from you seven different ways. And that's verse 25. I've been redeemed from poverty, and you see some of that in verse 29. I've been redeemed from having rebellious children. I mean, you know, that's, some mamas will be glad to read that. Hallelujah. I've been redeemed from, my children will not be rebellious. My children will be taught of the Lord. They'll be brought up in the nurture and the admonition of God. My children will not be rebellious because Jesus Christ redeemed me from that. So I claim my children's absolute fullness in Christ. I say that every single morning from my grandchildren. Little Joseph that's five, little Eli that's just three. I'm, I'm speaking, Papa and Granny are speaking that over them every day. Hallelujah. Because they are. That's the only way they're going to be. They're tough out of luck because I'm after it. <laughs> We've been, again, verse 61. We'll put up Deuteronomy 28:61 just so that you can actually see it. 28:61. Also, every sickness, every, say every. Every sickness and every affliction was not even written in this book of the law. The Lord will bring upon you until you're destroyed. That's part of the curse. Christ has redeemed you from that. So we don't care what future. Some people are already talking about what future diseases are going to come. I don't care how many future diseases come. He's redeemed us from all of them. Right? You have to acknowledge that. You, this needs to be part of your daily life. I'm redeemed. You need to wake up in the morning and within the hour, first hour of your life. I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. I'm redeemed from pain. I'm redeemed from poverty. Hallelujah. I am. And I say so. Let the, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Just do it. It's not that difficult. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. <sighs> Every sickness. Oh, verse 66 basically says we've been redeemed from worry. I know that nobody in here worries. You're just fully free from any worry. You never get anxious about anything. Look at Andrew. Andrew has the most peaceful faith. Look at Andrew's never worried about a thing, have you, Andrew? He's totally free and perfect from worry. Hallelujah. (gasps) Peace. But... We've been, he paid the price even for your worrying. And you know, Jesus, he taught a lot about it in Matthew. He said, what can you, can you add one teeny little bit to your life by worrying? You cannot add. Worry uh, subtracts. Worry never adds anything 
Please catch that. Worry never adds anything. Fret not. All through, like, you know, that's what I love Psalm 37. Quit fretting. And I'm not talking about guitar work, Mike. <laughs> Quit fretting over this and over that. Quit fretting over somebody that has greater blessing than you. Quit fretting over somebody that got promoted when you didn't. Quit fretting over the fact that something didn't go your way than when you thought it would go your way. Quit fretting about why it hasn't happened yet. Quit fretting. Fret not. Fret not. Everywhere it says fret not. Well, there you go. See, fret not yourself because of a manual. And and just the one, just the last one I listed is slavery. He said, you'll go into Egypt and be bondmen. That's verse 68. We've been, it, I just want you to see, these are all gifts. And I, he really told me, I want you to think about the gifts I've given you in Jesus. I want you to think about this. This year, you see, I woke up to the fact that I'm redeemed from worry. Or I'm just saying, this is what I'd like you to do. This year, thank you. Yeah, I've been, oh, I got some great gifts this Christmas. I've been redeemed. And I'm saying it. I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. I just am because it says it is written. It is written. It is written. Jesus conquered everything the devil brought by saying it is written. I can say the same thing. It is written. It is written. I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. I'm redeemed from worry. My children are redeemed from rebellion. Hallelujah. My, I'm redeemed from faithless spouses. I mean, it talks about, you know, that your wife will go to another man or your husband will go to another woman. Well, we, he redeemed you from that. I'm redeemed. I will never have an unfaithful wife. I've got the most faithful. I'm, I do. My wife is incredible. I mean, look at me and look at her. Like I say, my God, man, you know faith is working somewhere. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hallelujah. The woman loves me. She, but, you know, what's not to love? Right, Karen? I mean, you know, what's not to love? This incredible specimen. This incredible specimen of masculinity. You know what I mean? What woman wouldn't just know? I don't want to get into fantasy land right now. But I'm confessing it. (laughs) Oh, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. But I mean, you have, you read this way, it is every once in a while, see, people say, oh, I want to hear something new. You know, you know, the scripture, Romans ten seventeen about faith comes by hearing. You know what it actually says? It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. You got to hear it over and over again. We go back to when you were in school, they did not give you multiplication tables one day and leave it at that. You went over and over and over and over. You need to go to Deuteronomy 28 often. Read all of it. It takes a long time. Read all the curses. But you just look at me and go, my God, I've been, he paid that price, that gift, God's great gift. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. See, this is how you know, like Julie's talking about how she enjoys giving. And she does. I've watched her all her life. God isn't fulfilled unless he's giving something. Because God is love. And love is never fulfilled until it gives itself away. Love has to have an object. You understand what I'm saying? For love to be loved, there has to be something, an object to love. And of course, we're talking about people. People are the greatest valuable there is, right? 
That's why he so loved the world. He didn't love the church. He loved the world. Every stinking sinner out there, his love for them is the same it is for us. Hallelujah. That's why I said it's wonderful to me to think that I can go and tell somebody you're forgiven. You that are living in all that concern and worry about your, what you've done, I got a gift for you. You're forgiven. Be healed. Truly. You're forgiven. Something you've got. See, this is why somehow we do have to. I love the fact that in Corinthians it says also, he said that Paul says, this wisdom that God's given me is to lift you up into the glory of his presence. It's, but it's to lift you. Wisdom is given you, given to lift you up to a higher plane. And this is what I'm saying is, this is why I, you need to meditate on things like when Jesus, again, here's a paralyzed man. He says, your sins are forgiven. Like I said, something shifts. Something happened. A spiritual exchange. Something clicked. Some transaction happened. Not because of anything personal between that guy and Jesus, but the power of saying your sins are forgiven shifted something physical. The power of knowing something spiritually can shift something physically. Uh, we just got to think on it how you will put it in your own words. You hear me? I mean, this is incredible to me. I mean, you know, I just... Don't you actually, isn't, listen, I don't think there's anybody in the planet Earth that doesn't really, don't you want to do good for people? I mean, you know, and that's not because you're that good in and of yourself. That's the part of God's DNA that's in every one of us. We want to be helpful. We want to be a blessing. When we see pain, we want to remove it, don't we? Don't we, sir, hopefully, I mean, of course, we know that there are some people that are given over to a depraved mind. And if anybody glories in people's pain, they're definitely burning their way to hell. They are. But anybody that's got any light in them at all, you want to bring freedom. You want to bring good news. You want to be helpful. You want to bring healing because that's part of God in you. But you weren't able to do it until you got saved and until God put his spirit in you because it's his spirit that does those things. But now you get, you're the vessel. Now you get to do that. You get to take and do it. Now I don't need any tissue, so Bobby needs it, not me. I'm saying it because normally she always brings it up and does this. But I appreciate it. It was very kind of you. Just, just, bring, just bring me iMac. Don't worry about the tissue. Why don't we go ahead and go to Philemon now? How many of you can find Philemon? I don't know if I can right now, this Bible. Oh, there, what do you, I turned straight to it. God loves me. Thank you, God. Philemon, one chapter, verse six. Can you put it up in the King James though, also, if you would, back there? Right, yeah. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual. See, we need a faith to be effectual. Uh, let me give you a couple a simple definitions. The word effectual is the word energeia, which we get the word energy from. And basically, I don't care what lexicon, it just means powerful. And so what he's saying is that the communication of your faith, for it to become powerful, 
The word communication speaks to the display of the outward show. In other words, for people, for your faith to be powerful enough to be seen, you have to acknowledge, what's it say, every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Again, it's not rocket science, but please, you need to do this every day. If you do it once a month, my friends, don't think your faith's going to be powerful enough to be seen by others. Don't think that you're going to have a lot of fruit. It's simply the way God ordained. He's the great designer. He is the great architect, not Freemasonry. Right? He is the great architect of our salvation. This is his design. This is his blueprint. All you got to do is follow the blueprint. I watched my daddy work on blueprints all my life as a building contractor, like I said. And, you know, if you follow the blueprint, and in God's case, you don't ever have to worry about there being any mistakes on the blueprint. If you and I will learn how to acknowledge the good things. Now, the word acknowledge is actually, it has two major meanings, but it's the word epinosis that I talk about sometimes in Corinthians when it comes to dealing with idols where he said some have knowledge, some don't have this knowledge. There's gnosis, which is just normal knowledge, and there's epi, which means a higher or a super form, a greater knowing. Sometimes the lexicon simply says the greatest or the most real knowing. And so what it's actually saying is acknowledging actually that, well, when you acknowledge something, you are what? You're stating in agreement that something's true. I acknowledge that this is so, right? But it is interesting that the actual word epinosis means, literally says, quote, through real knowledge, unquote. In other words, some people have some knowledge about Jesus, but then other people have been in the book long enough that they've got some real knowledge, a much deeper understanding. That's all it means. But please hear me. I I would think that all of you want your faith in God to to be something that is seen by others, but not for the sake of being seen. But it's because you know that he wants each and every one of us to bear fruit. And again, remember the basic thing. Fruit trees don't eat their own fruit. We're to bear fruit for others to benefit from. Right? I remember when I first saw that, all those 30-some years ago, you cracked me up, I felt so dumb, but I thought, that's right, trees don't eat their own fruit. Somebody else eats them. And God says, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to bear much fruit, and I want your fruit to remain. Well, hallelujah. In other words, isn't that great when you really think about it? I want to be a fruit bearer. I want to be somebody that has tons of fruit. In other words, I want people to be benefited from being around me, knowing me, hearing me. Seriously, it's not so that I can say, ain't I cool? But it's just, i that's where God's ordained that our fulfillment comes from to a vast degree. When we realize my life, my life makes a difference. I'm not just existing. I'm not just existing one day after another. You know, that's like to say what a, what a, 
what a rut is. You know, the guys, people say, my life's in a rut. Remember a rut? They say it's just a coffin with both ends knocked out. You're already in a place of death if you're in a rut. But this is just it. See, once you know what Christ has done and the gifts that have come with him, and once you actually see this, I'm simply going to start acknowledging every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. And that's how this fruit is going to develop so much quicker. And that's how, again, there's going to be, it's going to be effectual. It's going to have power attached to it. All of these gifts. Every, Romans 12, 6 again. Every single one of you have been given. It resides in you now a miraculous faculty. Because you've come to Christ. I'm assuming that everybody in here has confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Maybe that's a bad assumption. But you're here for some reason. (laughs) You're in, quote unquote, the house of God. You came to give God, hopefully, some glory. So just, I'm asking you this morning just to receive this. At this season of the year, I mean, we may talk about some more of this from a whole other angle next week. I'm not sure yet. Because, again, we have all those things that are going to take place next Sunday. I'm looking forward to the skits and whatever. I really am. Shh, be quiet. Just bring this... Keep your mind on the Mac. I don't don't want you to be distracted. Do do not be distracted. I'll, I'll, please help your husband. Just look at him and say, do not be distracted. I hope everybody does know I'm totally kidding and jiving around, to say the least. I hope you do. Hallelujah. But the Father is the giver of every good gift. That's, some of the, that's one of the number one issues you have to receive. My Father is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And listen, Jesus in John 17 prayed and prayed hard that you and I would know that the Father is in us. In other words, the giver of every good and perfect gift is in you. That's why one of the number one ways you do recognize somebody as a Christian is because they can't help but be generous. They long to give. Whether it's not, just don't panic, to give of their time, to give help. You hear me? There's just something, if Christ is in you, then there's something in you. I want to help people. I want, I do. I want to make the world a better place. I want, I used to say this years ago and I mean it. And some people in the beginning, they think you're being pompous. When I do breathe my last breath, I'm hoping that when people remember my name, that they smile and they think of things that were good. That's all. In other words, I'm praying that when I die, I, that I've left a good footprint. Is that too much to ask? But surely that's really, if you search your heart, isn't that at least the same? Isn't that true with you? Isn't it? I want people, when they hear my name, I want them, when they think on me, remember me. I hope that, you know, 
they think of the good. Nobody but nobody hasn't made dumb choices in their life and stuff like that. But the idea is the closer you walk with Jesus, the more you lo- the longer you walk with him. Of course, like I said, he just takes those barnacles off your hull and you just simply aren't given to that anymore, anywhere like you used to be. And the good that's always been in you, the cream always rises to the top. And because Christ is in you, that stuff, will come, it'll, it'll come forward. Remember? I love another verse that says, remember, be mindful to be a blessing. I like that. You're called to be a blessing. Some people live their lives to be blessed. When they do that, they're living in reverse. You know you're saved. You know you have eternal life when you long to give to others, when you long to help others. When you long to be a blessing. Amen. So, Father, this morning we just thank you for the multitude of gifts that have come to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Our redemption. We have forgiveness of sins. I got that under the Christmas tree. That's where all gifts come, you know, under the tree, the cross, where he was crucified, all the gifts. Thank you, Father, that this year I've got more redemption under the tree. This year I've got healing. I'm going to unwrap it and unwrap it until I really understand how to use it more. I've got, I've got freedom from poverty. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you for freedom from poverty. Thank you. I have nothing to fear. I'm, re- I'm redeemed from fear. I have nothing to be anxious about in my future. My future is so secure in you because you're in me. We just sing about it. What can stand against us if God is for us? Well, I know that you're for me. Thank you for that gift, the knowledge that God is for me. Thank you for the gift of the knowledge that he'll never leave me or forsake me. Thank you for the gift of peace that passes understanding. A peace that's so deep within me that no matter what's going on on the outside, I'm still at peace on the inside. Everything's going to turn out good for me. Whatever I walk through, I'm going to walk through. I'm not going to camp in a tribulation and a trial. I'm going to walk through it. And everything will be okay. Because I serve the living God. And because the greatest of gifts is that you've given me eternal life. I will live with you throughout the eternity of the eternities in absolute eternal bliss, ecstasy, and joy that is beyond the scope of human comprehension. Forever and ever, there will not be a living moment in eternity that I'm not filled with joy and my mouth is going to be stretched in smiles to the point that it's going to feel like it's going to break, but it will never break. It'll never break because he won't let it break. But I'm going to be happier than happy, happier than happy, happier than happy. Hallelujah. Rejoicing. I'll even be able to dance outside of the chair. Glory to God. (laughs) I've been given all these gifts. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Somebody say amen, please. 
We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 